Hey, husband. Yes, wife. Why couldn't Dracula's wife get to sleep? Why? Because of his coffin. Wow. Welcome to Random's Thoughts. I'm wife. And I'm husband. And it's been a very long time since we've done one just like this. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a number of interviews, which were a lot of fun, in all honesty. Yeah, um, they were a lot of fun. We got a lot of conversations started. We got to discuss a lot of new things. Yeah, and... we had some laughs with each of our guests, and we, we even got to reach out to some guests, such as the moderator on... The Reddit. WoW TCG yeah. Reddit. So I want to give a shout out to the Seth Gray again. And a special thank you to both him and all our other guests because we really do appreciate people taking their time out to well, waste time with us. Yes, <laughs> we definitely do appreciate it. Um, and now it's back to just us. How are you feeling about that, husband? I'm pretty excited, although it's not going to be just us for very long. This is true. <laughs> so just to give people a heads up to do the, the whole housekeeping thing since we're kind of getting back into the swing of it. We're going to go right back out of the swing of it and go back to some interviews, but... This time, they are going to be more deck-focused. So, um, Gen Con 2017 has passed. Gen Con 2018 is looming. So, we thought we would discuss um, some of the decks that made the top four. Well, it's looming well, in... Kind of the far distance. It's I mean, still it's, February. Yes, but housing went up, tickets went up, it's all exciting. It, it's happening again. It's like literally six months away. Shh. Well, by the time this goes up, it'll be less than six months, but roughly six months. Okay, but it's only half a year away until Gen Con. Only. So it's exciting <laughs> so, anyway. So what Wife is getting at is we are going to have some other guests on, or we're hoping to have some other guests on. We're still working out the details. Worst comes to worst, we'll be running through it on our own. And we do want to talk about the other decks that placed in the top four as we're trying to prep. Just like we did last year going into the 2017 event, we talked about what were the decks we were expecting. We broke down decks over the series, over a series of a number of episodes, and we kind of went into the details of what we thought about them, how they worked, what they worked against, what worked well against them, that sort of thing. And we're going to be doing that today in a little while with one of those decks, but we want to run through all of them over the next few episodes. Yeah. Really, as we're trying to take stock of exactly what we're doing with the podcast and how we can improve, we notice that, well, the ones where we talk about decks are the ones that people seem to be most interested in. Now, so, I mean, that could just be numbers playing it up, or it could just be the fact that I think our most uh, listened to episode was entitled Pants, and maybe you guys just really wanted to hear about jeans. I don't know. A bunch of people just accidentally stumbled on the podcast, thought it was a fashion podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, don't that's a possibility. They must have been really sad. They, yeah, they were probably <laughs> disappointed after the first few minutes, but Wife is absolutely right. The Pants episode where we talked about the Alliance Druid deck that used a bunch of ongoing attachment abilities... It dwarfed the numbers of all our other podcast episodes. It, it like, tripled the, the normal number of downloads. So we're going to try and get back to decks since that seems to be what everybody wants. Yep. That being said, 
definitely let us know if there's a specific deck you want to hear about or if you don't want to hear about decks or if there's a different topic you want us to cover because we're more than happy to try and get those on the schedule but we need the feedback from everybody to let us know yeah so definitely let us know what you want to hear um be it decks be it um an off topic or an on topic off topic something slightly different about the wow tcg we're up for it yeah let us know we do have a bunch of ideas on the back burner that we're going to try and squeeze in through various episodes we're going to play around with the structure of each of them and see how it goes right now the only metric we really have is well how many times people listen and download it according to soundcloud so definitely hit us up with some feedback and let us know yeah so along those lines a couple other housekeeping things We have some new projects that we're going to be bringing on. We're experimentating. So, um, the world of YouTube happened. um, You may or may not have heard of this little website. This little thing. Um, So, we thought we would try some game streaming. Um, Now, our first foray into video making um, does not center around the WoW TCG, it does center around another game called Gruff. That's produced um, by Studio Woe. Now, it's not quite a live stream, obviously, since it's going to be on YouTube. It's a pre-recorded session of us both going through the game and then doing a play session for it and kind of walking through it. Yeah. Now, we really love this game. It's a tactical card game, and we'll definitely let everybody know once it actually goes up. Wife is still in the process of editing it. Yes, so hopefully it goes up in the very near future, barring any major catastrophes. This is me knocking on wood. I'm knocking on wood. Yeah. So if you go to our website... Randomsthoughts.wordpress.com You can definitely check out our YouTube link on there. It has our Twitter, our Facebook. Oh, and by the way, we just recently did a site revamp, literally yesterday. So. Yes. Give us some feedback on how the site looks, how it feels, whether you you like it, you hate it, whatever. Something you would prefer we had done differently, something that we um, you want to see up on the website, let us know. Yeah, we're going to try and see if we can play around with a number of things, whether it's the podcast, the, our new YouTube channel, the website, see what you know works for people the most. So we're definitely open to any and all feedback on there. Hit us up either at our email address, which you can also find on the website, or on Facebook, or on Twitter, or we're trying to hit all the bases. We're trying to get out there. We're doing our best. I have even looked into Discord, although it's only me. I haven't set up a random thoughts account yet. Yeah, I have not looked at Discord because it looks terrifying to me, but that's a story for another day. If you have not checked out Discord, though, I would definitely recommend it. There's actually a relatively active community there. It appears right now, from what I've seen, it's a lot of newer players, believe it or not, that are either just picking up the game or used to play and are coming back because there are a lot of questions there that, you know, they come up as you're coming from a Hearthstone background or a Magic background or whatever other background to this game. So it it would definitely be great to have some of the the old guard jump in there and then maybe pull some of them to either the Facebook group or wherever else so that we can get everybody communicating. And maybe, you never know, you can find somebody in your area that you didn't know of that plays the game. Who's in Philly? <laughs> right now, it seems like Us. nobody. <laughs> uh, last thing, we're going to be doing some other off-topic stuff. One of the games that we wanted to look at, aside from Gruff, is Lightseekers. Now, that's produced by PlayFusion, and we discovered it a while ago, but we had the opportunity to play in one of their first big 
air quotes, events yeah. at PAX Unplugged. And it was a lot of fun. Um, we did pretty well with uh, the decks that we threw together that weekend. We were able to make it into the top eight, which was super exciting. Yeah. Because it was definitely throwing decks together. It was like, oh, this would be cool to have, except we don't have it, so let's choose something else. Yeah, there's an advantage and disadvantage to coming into a game on the ground floor. So we went in not really expecting much, and my list, it was funny, I was emailing somebody back and forth, and they said, oh, well, you top aided. What did you play? And I was trying desperately to explain to them that it was quite literally two starter decks and then just maybe like three or four other cards switched out. Yeah. And and mine was a little bit more coherent, but it still wasn't very good, mainly because I really wanted this toy, and the toy came with the card that I wanted, so in the end it worked out. Yeah, they're actually coming out with a new set next month, that is in March. So the reason we're bringing it up is we are going to be putting more emphasis of our own time on Light Seekers because top eighting those events and some of the other regionals that are coming up will qualify us as it did for nationals at Gen Con. So we checked and it doesn't appear that it's going to overlap with the WoW, wow. events. So I, because honestly, I probably would have skipped their nationals to play WoW. Yeah, and I probably would have too, but that means our Gen Con got even more exciting because I think we can do all the things. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be, <laughs> it's really going to be a very, I don't want to say hectic, but definitely full event schedule for yeah. us this year. I know a lot of people joke at Gen Con saying, oh, it's you know the best four days in gaming and you don't sleep. Husband and I are old. I mean, I... Whoa, whoa, wife. Let's take a step back here. Okay, I'm old, and I like to sleep. And Gen Con is my vacation, so I don't stay up quite as late as everyone else. I mean, I stayed up till 11 last night, three nights in a row. That was really good for me. Wow, wife, did you you hurt yourself? I did a little. Did you pull something with that? I I did. (laughs) But um, this year, I don't know. I might I might be making it to midnight. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of caffeine because otherwise it's it's going to be a challenge. So we got we got all of Friday seemingly locked up. We're going to have all of Saturday locked up with the Light Seekers event probably, hopefully. Uh, assuming we don't scrub out O2 and then just, <laughs> yeah. you know, go see the rest of the con. So we're only going to really be able to hit the dealer hall maybe on Thursday and Sunday. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting and awesome, and I'm excited. Yeah, we're pretty excited. So long story short, all of that was to tell you we're going to be trying to do some Light Seekers content. It's definitely a pretty cool game. They are going to be having a physical and digital client presence because there is already an existing iOS and Android app action RPG game. So you can scan in the physical cards and it gives you items in the game. Well, when they release their digital version in June, you can scan in the cards and then you get access to them in the digital card game. So they are really right out of the gates hammering this. And they, they're making a big deal both overseas in Europe because they're based really, out of the yeah, UK. They're based out of the UK. They have a big um, following in um, all through the UK, definitely Scotland. I yeah, they actually just up. had Scotland's regional recently, and they have a deck list up on their site, lightseekers.cards. Uh, they're, they're putting in a lot of effort to try and make a viable tournament circuit for this, including the fact that, well, Lightseekers has been out for probably about a year now, but it was only available in Toys R Us as of 2018, it can be available at other retailers. They had a timed exclusive. And they're pushing this national circuit, regionals qualifying for nationals, 
really hard. Yeah. So hopefully um, you guys can check that out and give us a run for our money in Lightseekers. Yeah, it's, this is, it's going to be interesting. Let's put it that way. I'm excited to get in there. Wife's excited, like we said, not to repeat ourselves and be a broken record. We're but, excited to add more cardboard to our basement. Oh, yeah. it's uh, And that's before you get to the Transformers <laughs> game, which was announced and I'm hoping debuts at Gen Con because I'm going to dive two feet into that. Two feet? Well, I I think you are gonna cannonball and do a. Well, I wasn't planning on like I wasn't planning on like cutting my feet off and just throwing them in. The rest of me was gonna go with it. Yeah, like, no, like... I'm pretty sure you're gonna Scrooge McDuck that like no other. But anyway. Yeah. So if you weren't aware, another off-topic thing, real quick, Hasbro announced that they're going to be doing a Transformers-based tradable card game. Now, there's really no details other than it exists. There's some promo art, and there were a couple sample cards on a poster at Toy Fair this weekend. As far as I can tell, no excuse me, no actual details were released, but we'll see. And as we say this, we are surrounded by three full walls of Transformers. Yes. Yeah. There there are very few things that are as near and dear to my heart as Warcraft. Transformers is one of them and Transformers predates my experience with Warcraft by about a decade. I, so. Well, considering it came out the year you were born, and it was... Yeah, anyway. That's not true. Technically, it came out before I was born, but still. Okay. Anyway. So, moving away from Husband's Transformers obsession, I think we should get down to the nitty-gritty discussing the equalizing effect of Emic. Man, you are, you're trying really hard for I this really one. I really am. We're going to talk about Emic the Equalizer, the holy priest that actually took first place at Gen Con 2017. And here we go. So think back to the long days past 2017. Um, Going back to Gen Con 2017, there was one deck to rule them all. One deck to I don't know. Anyway. Wow, that was um, was way over dramatic. I don't know about that one. So, um, talking about the deck that took the uh, World Championship last year for the WoW TCG, uh, it was played by Husband, and it was Emic the Equalizer. So, Husband, how did that feel, Um, finally, you know, winning and not (laughs) having me beat you to a snotty pulp? When when has that ever happened? I don't know. I can dream. Okay. (laughs) I mean, you did win the, we're tied for first for the 2016 event, so, so far we got back-to-back titles in the family. Woohoo! Uh, and has- now we can go as goofy as we want. Hashtag humble brag. So, <laughs> we're, uh, if, just to start out, if, to bring up the website again. Randomthoughts.wordpress.com. Uh, we did, or I did write an article and a tournament report on my experiences last year, actually titled. Gen Con 2017, and included in that is the deck list, and a little bit about the background that we're going to go over in a minute, but yes, as wife said, I ran Emic the Equalizer, and honestly, I've had an affinity for this hero for a number of years, the reason being is I qualified for my first realm championship with Emic, Hmm. so back, yeah, back in Drums of War block, Emic was, well, one of the best decks, Searing Light was super strong, so was Death Veer, and really, I after I qualified, I didn't play in any further ones that I can remember. 
for that season, so I didn't keep up on the block, but I can only assume that it continued to be absurd because Searing Light is super strong. And it continued to define the formats that it was legal in for the entirety of its existence. And that's kind of what led me back to it. Although we didn't start there. No, no, we definitely didn't start there. I would say last year was a flurry of activity trying to choose a deck, a a deluge of different choices. Yeah, we... We tend to throw a lot of ideas at the wall. Now, Wife is, and I mentioned this in the article, I'm pretty sure, but Wife will swear that she was not going to play Bogmar until she got close to the vet. I did. But we all knew, and by we, I mean me, knew that she was going to end up with Bogmara. But to I be wasn't, fair, Logan said he knew it, too. <laughs> I wasn't really sure, so I was testing a lot of decks. I was super concerned about Wondervolt. I wasn't sure how many people were going to play it. We were also really concerned about Tyrus. Werewolves was also a top four deck from the previous year. And on top of that, Classic is the Wild West, so anything could show up. Think of that like high noon whistling noise in the background. Now that just got stuck in my head. Yeah. Anyway, so I wanted to go in. I didn't want to play Wonderful. I really didn't. But we tested the crap out of it because I was afraid like half the tournament was going to show up with it. Yeah, so um, I think that is a really good place to begin with Emic, um, with Husband's Fear of Wonderful. So... Keeps me up at night. Yeah, no, it did. He's not even exaggerating. It did. I was about to kill him. But um, husband had a lot of fear with Wondervolt. So I think one of the first decks that we he really liked last year was one we called Stormy Cows. Won't get into that, but that couldn't really beat Wondervolt. And then we well, tried it, it, it did beat it, up on Wondervolt. It couldn't, yeah, couldn't beat, beat Werewolves. Any, yeah, it could, that one couldn't beat Werewolves. Then we had another one that could couldn't uh, that could beat Werewolves, but couldn't beat Wondervolt. And husband's upset. Like he kept oh, I really like this deck. But Wondervolt. Well, and then I really like this. But Wondervolt. Well, what about this idea? But Wondervolt. I swear to God, if I heard But Wondervolt one more time, my head was going to explode. It was a serious problem. And Wife is exaggerating only slightly. So our big three decks okay. going in, you are. So Tyrus, Wondervolt, and Werewolves. And, I, and to this day, going into 2018, I still feel that those three are the things you have to make sure you beat when you're choosing a classic deck. Because... Tyrus will just beat the pants off of anything that's unprepared. Werewolves won't give you the chance to breathe if you're unprepared. And Wondervolt, you're not even going to know what's happening if you're unprepared. Now, that's not to say that there aren't other decks. Obviously, this deck went undefeated, but I still don't feel 100% confident in it. Maybe it's because I I never feel 100% confident in the decks I play. But we're going to run through the list and... Keep in mind that the underlying assumption here is that I wanted to stand a chance or be favored in those three matchups. So at this point in time, and we'll probably do another episode on this, but I don't like any of the plate classes in Classic. I think Paladin's probably the strongest, followed by Warrior, and Death Knight is way down the list. Yeah. Uh, Hunter is not in great shape in general, by comparison. Mm Mm-hmm. Of the clothies, all the clothies are viable, I think. Clothies are awesome. Well, because Warlock has very general removal. Yeah. So does Mage. And 
obviously Priest has the, abil the ability to deal with ongoing abilities, which are the primary issue cards. Because every, not every, well, I was going to say everybody can deal with allies, but not all of them are great ways to deal with allies. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, every class can deal with allies in a reasonable fashion. Ongoing and equipment are where they vary. Well, there's not much equipment that you care about right now, for the most part. Yeah. So, dealing with those ongoings, you need to... you got to pop Unholy Power. you got to pop Wondervolt. Or be able to deal with a 1-1 ally at instant speed. Really, the only one of those three that runs equipment is Werewolves, and that's only Envoy, which, honestly, is a serious yeah, problem. Yeah, that's a huge issue. That's what ruined Stormy Cow's day. Yeah. But, again, that's a, a different story. So... To circle back, underlying premises, I want to do well against those three matchups. I figured that anything else could be dealt with, or at least I could disrupt my opponents enough through discard, which is where Priest came in. Yes. So, where do you want to start on this, wife? Um, well, I mean, we could talk about the multitude of ways that you can discard. I guess the first way is um, just his flip lets you discard. Mm -hmm. Then, um, Well, before we get too far from the flip, because mm -hmm. I have a lot to say about the flip. Yes. So, again, Emic and I go way back. We're old buddies. So, his flip is one of the few in the game that's free. Yes. So, yes, Scourge War Block had, us, had cycles of flips where it was discard an ally of the chosen class or remove an ally of the chosen class in your graveyard from the game, that sort of thing. Emic and Spellweaver Jahan really are the only true free ones that I can think of off the top of my head, where it's just flip, do something, and get the effect. So you essentially turn any card in your hand, or if you have no cards, you get it for free, into your opponent discards a card. That's super powerful. Plus, there are very, very few ways in WoW to discard cards of your own volition. Yeah. So... As opposed to magic, where there's a million ways to just throw things into your graveyard and then do mean things out of your graveyard, there's very few ways to set that up in WoW. You kind of have to go out of your way or play Emic, which maybe is going out of your way if you had an idea that revolved around an alliance card. So when we talk about discarding your own card, husband's favorite card to discard is the fifth beetle. Yes. So, um, we move into Anubarak, the Traitor King. Now, you, I, if I remember correctly, you had been back and forth on Anubarak, and he was always really going to be in there, but occasionally you thought differently. Uh, I don't remember being that back and forth. I think it was more on the numbers of him. Yeah. Like, originally I did have a full complement. I eventually went down to three. Now, here's the thing. I, as I said before, started out with Emic way back in Drums of War block. Then, going into NACC in Vegas, I played Zombie Go, but Emic at the time was widely regarded as, air quotes, the best deck. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was just the one that everyone knew of, and it was the best by default, because anything that anybody was planning on playing, they were keeping under wraps. Remember, that's the one where Spider Solitaire and uh, Bunny showed up. So, going into that event, Emic had a huge target on his back. And one of the problems that I always found with Emic is that he had a problem with card advantage. So, great, you can destroy your opponent's hand. You shred it. If you don't hit Deathfear, or if you don't hit some other threat, 
your opponent can then just naturally draw their cards back or quest and draw their cards back and they get back into the game. So although Searing Light is super powerful, Death Fear is incredibly powerful, and then obviously the pre-suite of discard is incredibly strong, you got to do something with it. You can't just make them discard their hand and then sit and wait. Yes. So that's where... Anubarak, the Trader King, walks in. Exactly. So combined with his flip, you get a free way to toss Anubarak in the graveyard. He also deals with opposing graveyards, or can eat your own stuff if you have to. Mm -hmm. So all those Brodericks that are sitting in there, or all those mage abilities... Oh, and by the way, he can't really be interrupted, because if you play him and they interrupt him, okay, well, I'll just recur him. Yeah. If you pitch him, it's putting him into play, so he can't be interrupted. So you, you have an extra tool in the mage matchup. You have a huge threat that can come down early in a battle of attrition against aggressive decks. And, again, battle of attrition, you make your opponent discard the, all their cards, or a lot of their cards, or you're dealing one, in, one for one with, say, Mist of Corrosion, or any of your other removal spells, or just trading allies, simply. Anubarak now fills that gap Whereas previously you only had Tuskar Kite to try and dig you out of a hole. Now Anubarak comes in and he's ready to start swinging for the fences. Potentially really early in the game. Yeah, and like you said, against aggressive decks, um, there were a few times when I was playing, I had a bunch of, uh, you know, turn three or four, I definitely had minimally six cards in the graveyard. So he got a six cost ally by turn like three. Yeah, that was fun for me. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a 6-6 six, six protector. Oh, and a, yeah, you're right. And well, a protector. Well, that's the, just a real, another quick comment in, in, as a general comment about the format. There are very, very few protectors in general. Mm -hmm. There are even less that are worthwhile. Yeah. There are, there are few, and protectors that are worth your time are few and far between. And it's really unfortunate because it does... Well, I t uh, let me walk that back. It's not necessarily unfortunate, but I feel that it is because it accelerates the format. So it, it pushes control decks in a very specific direction. So you can't necessarily play... You can't build a wall of guys. You can't have that front line of army to stand in front. So things like Zombie Go are possible, but they tend to get run over. And... Besides Zombie Go, Anubarak's like one of the only protectors that I've seen that's worthwhile. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. And I think really just the way he can come into play is so ridiculous, especially mm -hmm. um, testing against Rogue. Oh, all those combo cards you needed that were in your graveyard? Bye bye Yeah, funny story. Vorix <laughs> was super unhappy about yeah. Anubarak. And then one of the, we'll get into this later, but one of the matchups that I played was Spider Solitaire. And Spider Solitaire, for those unfamiliar with it, does rely on cards in the graveyard or putting cards into the graveyard. Now, they don't necessarily need things beyond Broderick once they're in there. So, you know, you pitch Incendiary Totem, you don't care anymore. I mean, you may want to Astral Recall it back or something like that, but... Aside from that, you, you don't care, but you are dumping things into the graveyard. So now there's fodder for Anubarak. And it actually came up that, I think it was Andrew Teske that was playing yes. Spider Solitaire. 
he was running a new brack as well, and it just so happened that because I was able to pitch mine to Emic, I could get mine into the graveyard faster than his to eat his, or just eat all food so that his and Ubrak couldn't come back. Yeah. So um, it made things challenging for him. So definitely a Ubrak versus a Ubrak is a sight to behold. Yeah. Um, but you have lots of other ways to do discard. Um, obviously, you want them to discard to play a Ubrak, so you have Mental Anguish, you have um, Mind Shatter, and then you have one particular way that you don't really care um, if they discard so much as you, about the discard as so much as you care about destroying instant ability, which comes down to oppress. Yeah, so you could run a number of different options. There's faithful dispel. There's a, you know priest has a ton of dispel options, even literally dispel. But I wanted to press for the card advantage factor. So it's kind of an oldie but a goodie from that NACC era. So aside from that, there's, like wife said, Mind Shatter, which doubles as removal. Mental Anguish is card advantage and another oldie but a goodie. Perexia, Herald of Shadows, is a body stapled onto random discard, which can be super powerful. It's the Empower Priest Horde ally. Then you have Mystic Corrosion is pseudo-discard, kind pseudo of? Pseudo-discard, mostly trying to make... Uh, wonderful go away. I mean, it makes other things. Well, go Mist of away Corrosion too. can't really deal with Wonderful. Well, yeah, it should never be it able to. It shouldn't be able to. The thing is, Mist of Corrosion, just like Mind Shatter, is really removal. It's also the only main deck way to deal with equipment aside from actual discard. Mm -hmm. Now, since you have Searing Light and Anubarak's Humongous, you can punch through a lot of armor, or at least tax a lot of armor. And again, Plate classes I personally don't think are in a great spot. There's not a lot of equipment in general, let alone armor specifically, that matters at this point in time. Maybe somebody has something out there. I know I keep trying to make it work. It just <laughs> hasn't yet. But moving from the discard, so although you can take apart control decks and Wondervolt with a lot of discard, aggressive decks are a possible issue because it doesn't matter how hard you tack your deck against aggro. You may just draw poorly and lose. Yeah, or they might, you might be, okay, next turn I'm going to have them discard, but oh, they just played their entire hand in one turn. And then all of a sudden that discard, those mental anguishes look super bad. But at least in this case, you could throw them to Emic and then provide a Nubarak more food and you're on your way. So we can talk about one particular aggressive deck um, that... Husband reared this deck for it. Now he claims he didn't particularly rear this deck for it, but it's one card. One card got him really close to sleeping on the couch. Um, husband, do you want to do you want to guess which card that is? Well, based on your reaction last year when we played in round two, which <laughs> was <Yes>. hilarious, uh, <laughs> was Holy Guardian. So this is an oddball card. Holy Guardian is a priest pet. Now, here's the thing. Remember we said that there aren't really any good protectors? Well, Holy Guardian's one of them. It's a 3-3 three, three for 2, which is an incredible body on a protector that early in the game. So the thing is, is that most turn 1 allies that you care about have a backside of 2. Yeah. Jadefire Scout, Rosalind, those sort of things. The problem is, is that you can't, and this is what screws up protectors, you 
have to play something that survives your opponent's removal that does two damage, because they're probably playing something that does two to deal with opposing Rosalinds. So you really don't want to turn two, play your protector, and then it gets eaten by their removal. You're going to have a super feels bad moment. So you get a protector, it has a three backside, it does three damage, which is cool. The damage is unpreventable, which again deals with armor in the oddball scenario. But the last line is really what uh, wife hates. Now, this honestly was not put in for wife, but wife, tell us what it is and what the real reason why it's there. If shadow damage would be dealt, prevent all but one of it. So, wife's deck happens to run a lot of shadow damage. Bogmara gets hit by the, the collateral damage there, but the real reason is Tyrus. Yeah. So, you slam that guy down turn two, you stop things like Basul. You stop the, both his attack and his effect. Yeah. You, a majority of, even He's, Dreadsteed does shadow damage. If, yeah. You stop, you stop, I mean, you stop so much of that deck. I think, I'm trying to think of how many um, satyrs aren't. Well, Warbringer or Rixamal is melee. Yes. And obviously, if they power up their hero, it's going to be melee. So if they play on Holy Power, their first step is going to be to punch Holy Guardian. Mm -hmm. But that's three damage that didn't go at your face. It probably buys you a turn to then oppress or Mist of Corrosion their unholy power. Hopefully. That's the game plan anyway. Against most decks, because of the attrition-based nature of this build, you are just trying to get to Tuskar Kite or get to a new barack and ride them to victory. So you strip their hand as much as you can, force them into as many two-for-ones in your favor as you humanly can, either from mental anguish, from Perexia, from having to spend multiple cards to deal with Holy Guardian. Maybe you oppress a Tuskar Kite, or maybe you flip with Emic and then just strip a card, air quotes, for free when you throw away a new barack. Those sort of things. Grind them out with Broderick punches. Grind them out with just tokens from Cairn or anything along those lines. Make your opponent scrappy. Make the whole fight scrappy. Make them fight tooth and nail for every inch. And then, oh, by the way, a Nubarak just comes back effectively <laughs> for free. Yeah. And destroys all those nice Brodericks. Or, now, there's one word, mm -hmm. I would say, in Holy Guardian that is another theme through this deck. And what's that, wife? Unpreventable in every way. Stop. I had to. Stop. <laughs> I had to. So, like I said, Searing Light. Searing Light combined with Holy Guardian gives you a way to get through that hypothetical armor that's there. Or if your opponent has any other bizarre prevention effects, this gets through it, along with Taste of Divinity. So here's the thing. We talked about werewolves before. One of the issues with many of the other decks that we had that would end up... So, let's take Shaman, for example. Shaman has a number of ways to purge ongoings. In fact, I was going to play Rimblat the Earthshaker, whose flip also... Still my, one of my favorite names. That name game. really is cool. All, like, all, like, off topic, but Rimblat is an awesome name. Yeah. So, that Torrent Shaman, he's the Argent Crusade one, so he could be Alliance or a Horde, which makes him unique, and another reason why I wanted to run him. But his flip is remove a Shaman in your graveyard from the game. Destroy an ongoing. It, I don't remember off the top of my head if it has to be an ongoing that's not attached to your guys, but maybe. In any case, that's not important. Point is, is that it could destroy, say, Wondervolt, or destroy, say, Unholy Power at instant speed. 
And, you know, just random Tuscar kites and things like that along the way. Oh, by the way. By the way, yeah. It's not like Tuscar kite matters. Like, you guys all know what Tuscar kite is. It's, it's just no like, big deal. It's a throwaway card. No big deal. Yeah. So, point is, is that, okay, that sounds great. And then that was going to go in the Stormy Cows build. I was all set to play Kahul and 6-2 and all this cool stuff. I, I was even going to play Mulgore Guardian, talking about protectors. But, here's the problem. So, you beat up, theoretically, on Tyrus. You beat up, theoretically, on Wondervolt, you roll over to Werewolves. Because virtually all of the Shaman removal, even when I was including things like Doshura, and I was even going so far as to run Tatula the Reclaimer to try and pop Envoy of Mortality, the issue at that point is all of the aberration, things like Lady Bancroft, one of wife's favorites. I love Lady B. So that's where Taste of Divinity, Holy Guardian, well, Holy Guardian's a body, but searing light it allows you to get through the aberration and other prevention effects and ignore combat if you have to so to cycle back it, it sounds like we're proving ourselves wrong saying they're no good protectors but the few that are run are good like fang yeah fang aside from being cute <laughs> um he gets the job done pretty well I, like, I can think of a couple of decent ones. I mean, I have much love for Sardok, but that's like right. that's a personal love. But my point um, is is that those few that are there... So if you really want to get to their aberration ally to try and power down but not completely invalidate Envoy, Fang gets in the way if you want to attack. Mm-hmm. Well, you normally can't just burn out the aberration for obvious reasons. So that's where the unpreventable comes in and you have a much better time of it. Yeah. I, I Unpreventable, it, it, it does pretty good. Seems okay. Say. It seems good. It seems good. So here's where we start tailing into the shortcomings of the deck. So we talked about all the power cards in... It has a ton of discard. It has a variety of both powerful and universal removal in things like Mist of Corrosion and Taste of Divinity. It has huge board state changing bodies in Anubarak and Deathfear, alongside Broderick to help lock down the early game and make your hero an additional resource. The problem is when you start coming into, well, sometimes you do just draw dead. Yeah. So you want to go over the uh, quest base real quick, wife? So um, we have Proving Grounds, uh, Called Arms Arathi Basin, uh, obviously you're Stashing Cairn, because Stashing Cairn is always fun. I don't care who you are. Um, you have Rise and Be Recognized, you have Darkness Calling, um, so it's, and then we also have Undercity, which, um, is another great way to deal with things, um, like small threats on the board, but... Well, by dealing with them, you mean, I guess, negating what they're doing, yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the quick rundown of the content, so what, what does it mean? And that's, let's see if we can elaborate on that. So what I mentioned earlier is that before Anubarak, really you were leaning on Tuskar Kite. And the problem was that if Tuskar Kite got popped, so your opponent destroyed your Tuskar Kite, you could be up a creek. Yeah, Deathfear's super strong, but he's only going to last for so long. And he obviously has a giant target on his back. And you could make them discard all the cards you want, but eventually they're going to hit enough resources to just play the top card of their deck every turn. So you need to close the game out. Or refill so that you can play more stuff. Because unfortunately, if you're drawing, say, Mental Anguish, when they have no cards in hand, 
if you don't have searing light, that's a dead draw. So Colt Arms, Arathi Basin, Rise and Be Recognized, Holdovers from Drums of a War Block. But we also include Proving Grounds, another holdover. Darkness Calling came a little bit later, but roughly around the same time. It's pretty strong and an obvious synergy with Anubarak. Undercity, as wife said, helps you stabilize, and Karen is kind of... Karen is Karen. Yeah, he doubles as both an early game stabilizer and a potential threat. Now, you're not a Torin because I really wanted to make Haru the Suncaller work. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because 32 health is really cool. Like, it's fun to have 32... To basically be a master hero just without the extra effects. Mm -hmm. But And then, if you play Karen, you give your hero War Stomp, which is hilarious. <laughs> but it just didn't quite work out, and Emic obviously has greater synergy with Anubarak, and Undercity is super strong. It's one of the few locations that will displace Eye of the Storm. Obviously, you deal with... You deal with Broderick is obviously one of the number one things to do. Right. But the problem with the quest base is right now I'm running 11. That's not a whole lot. And it's not abnormal. So that kind of was around what people were running way back when. But you really do feel it if you don't have the time to, to quest into quest sort of thing. Or if you have to spend multiple turns just questing. Yeah. So other decks... Other control decks, and this is a mid-range, but if you were to go into heavy control, say you're playing Mage and you're running like Mana Sapphire, or even Wondervolt runs Mana Agate and um, Bottled Knowledge, or if you were playing a plate class, maybe you're, you're really going crazy and playing Etch Dragon Bone Girdle, or you know, you could play Bloody that's Ritual. That's a part I haven't heard about in a while. Well, there's a reason for that, but that's a, another digression. Point is, is that you could be down on cards. And in an attrition-based deck, you really want to get over that hump. That's why Anubarak was kind of the linchpin that pulled all this together. The quest base reflects that because I needed almost every quest, except for a couple copies of Proving Grounds, they all draw multiple cards, or will hopefully draw multiple cards in the case of Arathi Basin. Otherwise, you will fall behind. And yeah, you can chip your opponent down, chip them down, chip them down. But say Spider Solitaire could explosively close the game in those three or four turns where you're trying to quest just to do something, anything. It doesn't matter what. And that's where the problem comes in. Yeah. Um, it should also be said, Darkness Calling is another great way to get Anubarak into the uh, discard pile if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky. So... Moving from there, just to talk about the sideboard real quick, basically I didn't know what to expect. So I ran a couple, like the fourth copy of a few things, so a fourth mental anguish for the obvious control matchups, an extra Anubarak where I thought he would fit in, extra taste of divinity for aggro, another Perexia, although that's the third for um, any, again, any control or even Wonderful matchups, other combo. I ran to Kahul because I really wanted to run Kahul. He almost made it to the main deck. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you had you had a Kahul session obsession going on last summer. Cows are funny. <laughs> Cows are fun. Kahul, in all seriousness, Kahul and wife, you can talk about this too. Kahul <laughs> turns games around. Yeah. And it and he's kind of unexpected. Yeah, and it's odd that he's not. So. At the surface, he looks really strong. And then you look at his body, and he's, uh, oh, it's a 3-4 four for 4. 
And it's like, ah, oh, well, maybe it's not that great because it is a little undersized. Death Fear is a 4-5 plus two positive abilities. But an eight-point life swing is humongous. Yeah. And if he, God help your opponent if he sticks around, you play a second Kahul, or you hard cast you, a Cairn. Yeah, no, so that's my favorite, is having Kahul out, and then, like, people are like, I don't really need to deal with that, let me deal with the other nonsense on the board, and then you're like, Cairn. 14-point life swing. to get another Cairn. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So... I really do enjoy this deck. I don't think I'm going to play it again just because I want to try some other stuff. And his wife said, at this point, since we have a title each, we're gonna. I know I want to go into super Mimi territory. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling you on that one. I want to go goofy. I want to play something that I like. Now, don't get me wrong. I still love Bagmara, but I think it might be time to let her rest. But I would, if you want a solid deck, this one, so. Because Classic is the Wild West, and we don't really know enough about the format to say, yeah, these are 100% the Tier 1 decks. And in general, I prefer those sort of formats. Now, like anything else, too much of a good thing is bad. So if you go into a format and it's like, oh, we have a really defined Tier 1, it's this one deck. Yeah. That's unfortunate. But if you go into a format and it's, we have zero Tier 1 decks, everything is Tier 5 because it's all just junk, that's also not very fun because it's... You walk in and it's, did I happen to get lucky enough to get paired against someone who is running something I can interact with? When it's totally unknown, it can be just as unfun as having something 100% known. Yeah. So this deck handles just about everything in the same way. Hey, every deck is going to have cards in their hand. I'm going to make sure you don't. Yeah, and a decent portion of decks like knowing what's in their graveyard and is this going to make it not... Yeah, it's one of the unwritten rules, and we we talked about this before, and we put some articles on the site about it, that I am of the opinion, if you're not a hyper-aggressive deck, so you're not Bogmara, you're not Werewolves, or even not Tyrus, where you're, you're not trying to close the game out early, you need eight turn one ways to deal with an opposing two-health ally. I think you also need a natural way so you don't have to like really reach to try and address ongoing abilities. And you also need to be able to deal with graveyard shenanigans. This priest build happens to accomplish all three of those. So you have Undercity and Anubarak take care of the graveyard. You have Discard to disrupt opposing control decks or mid-range decks, which I know wasn't one of the three tenants I just said, but that's <laughs> important. You have Taste of Divinity, Mist of Corrosion, and Broderick to address early game. And naturally, Priest destroys ongoings. Yeah. And you have all your unpreventable. And, I mean, we didn't really, like, we, we mentioned by name, but, and we don't really need to go into it, but Death Gear is a jerk. Death Gear is a jerk. He really is. The, it's funny because there's a lot of math you can do for designing card games. So the rule rule of thumb for magic, and it kind of holds true for WoW, is you know, you you add the power and toughness and plus one for every positive ability, minus one for every negative ability, and then divide it by two. That should be the cost of the card, roughly. Deathfear comes out ahead because he has two positive abilities. I mean, I guess you could count the undead hero required as a negative, but mm -hmm. he's got a big body he doesn't cost that much. He has two positive abilities that have a huge impact on the game. The card is 
bonkers. Yeah. And as long as he exists, undead will be the preferred race for any class that is available to them. You have to have a good reason to not run it. So, having tested against Emic a lot, um, he's definitely really strong in the ways that Husband mentioned. And I think he does play really evenly across the board. He doesn't have too many bad matchups. I think the thing that gets Emic is having bad draws and then yeah. mulligan inning to worse draws. Yeah, the um, deck definitely can beat itself kind of thing. Yeah. And, I mean, you you have good matchups, but you're not going to blow out a lot of your matchups. You're not 90-10 in any matchup, but you're also not 10-90 yeah, he's, in virtually he's any steady. matchup. He's, he's a steady hero. Which is kind of, I mean, we obviously, as wife alluded to earlier, there were a number of decks that kept <laughs> me up at night, but I wanted to, because of the unknowns, go in with something that could take on all comers. You don't have to worry about, oh, well, I'm really good if this happens, and man, I am screwed if yeah. this happens. And I think Emic does a really great job of that. I mean, he's an equalizer. It's true. I'm bringing it back to the pun. I don't care. I want to. Cycle it back. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a great deck. Um, it's honestly not too hard to figure out play wise. When I don't you think so either. You had me like try it, and I am the queen of forgetting how just about anything works twenty seconds after I've played against it for the first time, and I was able to make it work a couple of times. Yeah, the deck. I don't want to say it's an autopilot type thing, but it is pretty straightforward. Does my opponent have cards in hand? Okay, maybe I should play a discard spell. Yeah. If they don't, I probably shouldn't waste my time. Yeah. And because it, it handles, I think it lines up very well with what we were expecting and also what I played against. I So round one I played against a blue hunter. I had enough ways to deal with any aggression. And then a new, once a new Barak came down, he locked it up. Round two I played against wife, and she was playing Bogmara. Uh, and, holy guardians are jerks. Yeah, holy guardian kind of locked it up early on. But then even aside from that, if she managed to get through holy guardian, guess what? Then there's death fear, and then there's all these other things. Yeah, no, between holy guardian and death fear, I had a bad day. Yeah, then I played against Spider Solitaire. We already addressed that with the ability for me to get a Anubrak and mess with his between my own Anubrak and Undercity. And then finally I played against Wondervolt as the final boss, and since I had a mountain of discard, it's kind of hard to assemble a combo if you don't ever get to have any cards in hand. Yeah, and also the, that was the deck that you you focus. Yeah, I, I would say you focused on that deck pretty good while well, yeah, making towards, this deck work. When I when we were close to Gen Con, so say, well, let's say early June. Yeah, beginning of June all the way to Gen Con. Basically, all I did was goldfish, Wondervolt against a variety of different decks, and try and see how I could poke holes in it. I got really good at playing Wondervolt. Yeah. That's a story for another day. But <laughs> we we did test the crap out of that one. Now, as I said, the deck can beat itself. There's enough unpreventable damage, but at the same time, you can't remove equipment, so if there was an opposing equipment that was a problem, yeah, you can Mist of Corrosion it or make them discard it, but other than that, once it hits play, you're kind of toast. You could board Monkin or, you know, whatever. 
at this point, until somebody proves that there's a good equipment outside of like miniature voodoo mask, I'm having a hard time caring about it. And that that's not meant to be derogatory or something, but it's like you can't. You're never going to build a deck that beats everything. Yeah. So you got to focus on what you're expecting right now. I'm worried about ongoings. There's Envoy, but if they don't have any allies, like, okay. I mean, you're not worried about the zombie-encrusted figure? <laughs> the encrusted zombie finger? Yeah, it's my favorite. So, yeah, that's the basics of Emic the Equalizer. Um, he is not to be fooled by the path he chooses to follow. He's not getting fooled. <laughs> He's oh. trying to make sure we don't get fooled. Eh, well, I can read. It's tiny. Um. <laughs> <laughs> she's the wife is getting at the flavor text because Emic is a holy priest, but he has discard abilities, which are typically shadow priests, which is something that I really wanted to make work too. I really wanted to make discipline priests because I really want to use divine spirit. Let's be real though, you just wanted undead to work. No, I wanted cows to work. I mean, you wanted cows, like it, it, it came down between cows and undead. You like yeah. them both a lot. Well, I mean. Yes, at the end of the day, it really mattered to a specific undead, and that's the green <laughs> one over there that's a 6-6 six, six for 6. Yeah. But if, say, Haru had Emic's ability, I would have played Haru instead. Even though I think under Like, ultimately, I think Undercity would be better than Aya's Storm because of all the things that we explained earlier, and obviously Deathfear, but I really wanted to play Kahul and 6-2. Okay, we have to stop for a second. So, seriously, if you haven't tried this, proxy this up. Four Kahuls, four 6-2, and four Karen. Because you have not lived until you... <laughs> until had, you made that work. No, until you've had a Kahul on the board and then stashed a Karen to not only activate his ability but also a 6-2's ability... Or play either of those to trigger the other one. So if you have Kahul out, 6-2 is a 12-point life swing. Cairn tokens are a 2-point life swing. Each of those, if 6-2 is in play, lets you complete a quest for free. Cairn, as we talked about before, is a 14-point life swing. <laughs> that deck was super duper fun. And So here's the, the, the craziest part about it. This has nothing to do with Emic, so I'm sorry everybody, but... <laughs> The, the coolest thing, or maybe not the coolest, but one of the cool parts is, and we've said this before, I, and wife, you can say your piece on this, but I did not like a lot of things Cryptozoic did with the game. Yeah, we we, we beat this to death a little bit at well, home. Yeah, I don't, I don't but... want to beat this dead horse into, like, a bloody pulp, but I did want to, the reason I say it is this. Although we didn't like what they did, there are cool ideas. So it, it's not that 100% of their ideas were bad. Or even that the ideas were bad in general. It's just we didn't like them. And it's fine, because other people did. But they had some ideas that were really cool. The tribe mechanic was one that was really cool, and I wish that it got more time in the sunlight. Like, Blood Rush is super straightforward, and it's okay. Yeah, everybody sees the power of Blood Rush. But Tribe was something, and Haste on the Night Elf side was another something that felt like it was one card shy of being nuts. But maybe there are enough cards. So, for example, to go back to Kahul and 6-2, imagine this play. You have Kahul on the board. You're playing against an aggressive opponent. 
okay, you've stabilized a little bit because you just played cool, and your opponent's feeling good because it's like, okay, well, you didn't actually remove my guys. I'm still swinging for the fences. They swing, and then your turn, you play Doshura. You kill one of their guys, you put in a 2-4 a protector, oh, and you heal for another 4, and hit you, you have an 8-point life swing. Talk about living the dream. And then you follow that up with a 6-2, and then you 12-point life swing, yeah. and you complete some... And, oh, my God. I, oh, I I might play that deck this year. I don't know. I love that deck. It, it's a lot of fun. Um, it, I I wish Stormy Cows could beat Werewolves, but it's just... Yeah, it's, it, just it just doesn't quite get there. If, if Envoy didn't exist, but... Eh, I don't know. We're going to... Story for another... Like, we, that could about be another three-hour conversation. Yeah, so we're so, going to close this one up. So, um, Emic, great deck if you want to sit down and try to figure it out. If you have any questions, email us. Um, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Facebook or Twitter. I will learn how to tweet, I promise. Um, anywhere, uh, feel free to message us on Reddit. All those good places. We're around, and we get notifications now, so hopefully we can respond to all those things. uh, I know I have it turned on, but Reddit is weird, man. Like, I don't like that site. Like, I I don't have a problem with the subreddit. I have a problem with Reddit itself and the way it's structured. It's because you're old. No, it's because it's disorganized. (laughs) It's because you're old. I work in IT, and it bothers me. (laughs) Anyway... Like, it says one of the most successful websites on the internet. But that's a story. Anyway. So if you have any questions about Emic the Equalizer, or if you have any suggestions on um, ways that you might want to tweak this deck for you, or if you have any conversations that you want to have us discuss coming up, please let us know. Yeah. We're everywhere. <laughs> or at least we're trying to be. Yeah, I we're trying Instagram. to get out there. I won't Instagram. Just yeah, that's, that's I don't not really happen. see a reason for it. Anyway, yeah. uh, before we get too far afield on social media, we want to thank everybody for listening. Definitely check out all our stuff. You'll hear it in the closing bumper. But thanks, everybody. We appreciate the downloads and the listens, and you can look forward to even more of our random thoughts. So for all other things Random's Thoughts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. At our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, you can now find us on Facebook under the tag of Random's Thoughts. Or find us on Twitter, at randthoughtpod. That's at R-A-N-D thought pod. And please feel free to reach out to us on Gmail at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.